0: I normally look forward to Fridays as a catch-up day. Maybe you have a day like that during your week. I look forward to this past Friday, but it was not a catch-up day. It was a day in which I was able to visit the Auschwitz exhibits uh, with some friends. It's at Union Station. They had bought tickets months ago, and it was quite good on the whole. It rightly stressed the guilt of Christians, although it seemed to omit the courageous actions of the Catholic Church in Germany and Poland, aside from a small tribute to Saint Maximilian Kolbe, the priest who gave his life so that a father could live. On the whole though, it was quite powerful. It began by locating the town of Auschwitz on a map and tracing the history leading up to World War II, especially the impact of World War I and the Treaty of Versailles on the rise of Hitler. And it continued all the way to the end, to those dreaded death marches and the liberation of the few gaunt prisoners who had survived. Large models of the concentration camps had been created. You could see the Nazi deception worked into the very architecture of those buildings. There's a room that was created for them to remove their clothes. It looked like a locker room. It was there in preparation for the gas chambers, but they were described, and they looked like, showers. Prisoners were told something like, let's get you cleaned up and ready for your new life in the East, and in they went. There were videotaped interviews of survivors, both prisoners who survived and Germans who are forced to do the dirty work of the camp, like hauling the corpses out of the gas chambers to the crematory. Like most of us, they wouldn't have believed they were capable of being complicit in such crimes. But the statistics say otherwise. If we had been there, ordinary folks that we are, we likely would have given in too. The most compelling part for me were the artifacts the huge pile of luggage from the prisoners that they had, the clothing, little kids clothing, adults clothing, the toiletries, men's razors, brushes, buttons, silverware, things that they had just grabbed as they were taken away, not knowing for sure what they would need to survive. The most striking of all was a little boy's boot, only about that big, with a sock stuffed inside for an afterwards that never came. They were like little sacraments, those artifacts were, visible reminders of an invisible reality. This could happen anywhere, this could happen again, the exhibit told us, warned us, as it went on to describe the eugenics of the Nazis. Their method for determining who was and who was not sufficiently human to be allowed to live. Do your eyes look like this? Is your hair like that? I thought it has happened again in the world and even in our country as my mind went to Margaret Sanger, the founder of the abortion camp of Planned Parenthood, who said, and I'm just quoting her, we do not want word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. As I watched the video footage of people gathering to view Jewish executions like we would go to a football game, as I saw the tens of thousands of ordinary Germans thrilled to catch a glimpse of Hitler as he paraded by, I thought of the 20th century German atheist philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche, whose thought laid the groundwork for Hitler and for much of our modern world. Nietzsche wrote this in a short work he called The Parable of the Madman. Have you not heard of that madman who lit the lantern in the bright morning hours, ran to the marketplace, and cried incessantly, I'm looking for God, I'm looking for God. As many of those who did not believe in God were standing together there, he excited considerable laughter. Have you lost him then, said one. Did he lose his way like a child, said another one. Or is he hiding, is he afraid of us? Has he gone on a voyage or immigrated? They shouted and laughed. The madman sprang into their midst and pierced them with his glances. Where has God gone, he cried? I shall tell you, we have killed him, you and I. We are his murderers, but how have we done this? How are we able to drink up the sea? Who gave us the sponge to wipe away the entire horizon? What did we do when we unchained the earth from its sun? Whether is it moving now? Whether are we moving now away from all suns? Are we not perpetually falling backward, sideward, forward in all directions? Is there any up or down left? Are we not straying as to an infinite nothing? Do we not feel the breath of empty space? Has it not become colder? Is not more and more night coming on all the time? Must not lanterns be lit in the morning? God is dead. God remains dead, and we have killed him. How shall we, murderers of all murderers, console ourselves? That which was the holiest and mightiest of all the world has yet possessed has bled to death under our knives. Who will wipe this blood off us? Is not the greatness of this deed too great for us? Must we not ourselves become God simply to be worthy of it? There has never been a greater deed, and whosoever shall be born after us for the sake of this deed, he shall be part of a higher history than all history hitherto. No up or down, no moral compass, unchained from the source of existence symbolized in the sun. We have no guiding light, no purpose. We're perpetually falling farther into the cold darkness where even the bright mornings are dark for us. I can't help but think of so many of our young people for whom the earth of their existence has been unchained from the sun of guidance and meaning and purpose. Thus, imprisoned in a culture of death, as John Paul II said, a culture which no longer asked the higher questions about life, these young people seem so susceptible to the latest trend or movement promoted by their peers, politicians, or social media influencers. God, having been put to death, those in power now decide what's up or down, what we are, what parents may rightly want taught to their kids or handed out in their schools. Parents just don't know what's good for them. Leave your things here, step into the showers. You'll feel better after you do. A survivor relayed the story of being crammed into a railway cattle car so tightly that sitting down was nearly impossible. For about 150 people in that car, one pill of water was given for drink and one for a toilet. In the midst of the fear and anguish and stench, a woman realizing the Sabbath was upon them pulled out two candles and they began to pray and to sing. And as you left the exhibit, the last thing you saw were the words of a survivor who said, you who live, justify your existence. So many have died. Make your life meaningful. The command to love God and neighbor with our whole being as made visible in Jesus Christ is no guarantee of a life devoid of suffering. It is one, though, which places us in a proper relationship to goodness, truth, and love itself, so we are less likely to compartmentalize our lives, justify nearly any action, and become susceptible to evil influences. Chain yourself to the Son of God's kingdom, and your light will never darken or be extinguished.